How did you choose your religion? Are you sure it is the right one? What if you were wrong? Dr. Jeremiah Pitts, Deputy Vice-Chancellor of African Bible University here in Uganda, returns to discuss the question of right and wrong religion. Welcome back to the Changing Times podcast. And if you're here for the very first time, welcome. My name is Dale Buanika, your host. I would ask you to check out our previous episode if you have not already seen it, because our discussion today is going to be a continuation. Otherwise, welcome. And Dr. Pitts, glad to have you back. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Now, when we left last time, you were talking about the creature-creator distinction. Yeah. Even as we reviewed um, the essence of religion, what is religion really right. about? Yeah. At the end, we had this question of if there is a divine being mm. and everybody has a certain belief to this divine being, right. of how much importance is one's view of this divine being? And you brought up this idea of the creature-creator distinction. So yeah, would right. you please review that for us? Yeah. So the creator-creature distinction just is this idea that uh, the God of the Bible is different from the things that he created. This idea that God needs nothing. Mm -hmm. uh, he needs no one. A person might think when they hear, God doesn't need you, or God doesn't need me, mm -hmm. they may think to themselves, well, that doesn't feel very good. I want to be needed. But actually, if you think about it very much, it's very good that God doesn't need us for a number of reasons. One, if God needs something, he may be denied that thing. Mm -hmm. And in that case, he may fail. Uh, many things that happen in your life and my life happen because there's things that I need and I must do things in order to get those things. So if you do not get it, so you fail. You failed. Mm -hmm. And not only that, that means it's necessary for me to rely on something outside of myself. Mm -hmm. It's very good that God is not that way. God mm -hmm. cannot be manipulated. Mm -hmm. No one can make God do something that God doesn't want to do. Mm -hmm. And I'll show you the best way that this shows up. If someone only loves you, for instance, they are, you're a very smart guy. Mm -hmm. Let's say someone only loves you because you're a very smart guy. Mm -hmm. And one day you're walking across the street and a boda boda hits you. Mm -hmm. You bonk your head. God forbid. God forbid. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Maybe I should have used myself as an example. No, go on. Then uh, you're not as smart as you were before. Mm -hmm. And then what will happen to this person's love? Well, they love me because I, I, I am smart, yeah. and if I'm no longer smart, then yeah. that means their love is gone. The love is gone. At least it's diminished, yeah? Mm. God loves you despite the fact he doesn't need you. Mm. And there's nothing that can happen that can take away the love of God because it was never about you earning the love of God to begin with. He doesn't accept you because you brought something to the relationship. Mm -hmm. He loves you, as he told the people of Israel, mm. I love you because I love you. It wasn't because you were a bigger nation or a more holy nation or there was more of you or that you were richer. None of those things were true about them. I love you because I love you. So then how is our view of him? Mm. How, how is that important? How we yeah. view him? Very good. So if you don't think that God is different from you, if you think he's just like you, Mm. then all the things that are true about you are true about God as well, right? Mm. I mean, that's just logic. Mm -hmm. So what that ends up looking like is you and I can both be wrong. Mm. Yeah. You and I can both have moral failings. Mm -hmm. Like we should do something, but we don't do it. We do something So if else. God is not different from us, then if I am wrong, he, he could be wrong. wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, if I could be weak, he mm. could be weak. If I could be immoral, he could be immoral. Mm. And in fact, the religions that we see where there is no creator-creature distinction, mm. that is precisely what we see. The gods that they have actually perfectly mirror the actions of the people. So the gods in those systems do wrong things, have moral failings, are incomplete. Uh, sometimes we say they're thwarted. That means they're stopped from doing what they want sometimes. Mm. So it's a huge, it's a huge difference. As a Christian... 
I can rely on God that his view of me doesn't change. Mm-hmm. He, the, the scriptures say the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. Mm. Forever is a long time, Dale. Sure. It's a long, long time. Mm. And I can't last forever of my own being. I don't have the ability to be forever of myself. Mm-hmm. This is a gift from God. Think about this. He tells you that your inheritance, he means eternal life. Mm-hmm. Your inheritance is incorruptible. It can't be tarnished. Uh, gold eventually uh, gets old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your clothes have moths or holes. Thieves can steal your goods, mm-hmm. yeah, but your inheritance from God is incorruptible. How can that be true? It has to be because he needs nothing. So does this affect how you live your life? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You had, so so you, one of the things you committed about last time was that yeah. now if God is different from us, mm. if there is that distinction, creator-creature distinction, yes, that then it is important that we be committed. In fact, you said that um, you don't like someone who is not committed to their religion. Yeah, that's right. Now, if religion is the way we view God, of how much importance is our religion? In other words, is there such a thing as uh, my religious life and my life? Oh, so mm. people who try to separate. Even that's a religious view, my friend. Mm-hmm. So even that is actually a product of your view of religion. I went to school when I was a teenage boy. Many of my friends on Saturday night mm. would go drink with their friends, make bad choices with girls, mm-hmm. have parties. And then on Sunday morning, there they were in church. Mm -hmm. And in church on Sunday, every week, Mm. they would say, well, this is for Sunday, Mm -hmm. and last night was for Saturday. And if someone confronted them, they would say, well, last night was Saturday, today is Sunday. And they were saying, well, there's a distinction in my life. That was their personal religion. Mm -hmm. They were living in a way that comported with their beliefs, that matched their beliefs. In other words, their view of God influenced their form of religion. That's it. They viewed God as a God who didn't care what they did on Saturday night as long as they were in church on Sunday morning. Mm. And so they felt very comfortable doing what they wanted to on Saturday night. So long as on Sunday morning, Mm. they were there in their church clothes and they were in the pew. Mm -hmm. They were very happy. But that's because of their view of religion. Mm. And now the next question you have to ask yourself about religion, and maybe you're going this direction, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Does your religion match reality? Mm Mm-hmm. Because I wouldn't want you to just have a religion that you match to. Like, I don't want you just to adhere to your religion. Mm. I want your religion and I want my religion to be true religion. It's not enough to just have something. Mm. You will hear people say that. So uh, in anthropology, for instance, it's quite common now to hear people in cultural anthropology who don't believe in organized religion Mm -hmm. still say people need religion because it holds us together. It's a social thing, Mm. right? But I would say to you, why would I want my my friends to waste their lives believing in something that's not real. Mm. Wouldn't it be much better for us to believe in something that is real? So you mentioned this question that um, re- your religion should match up to reality. Yeah. yeah. Okay, what is at stake if, if it doesn't match up to reality? <laughs> What's at stake if you believe if you jump out of a plane that you can fly? Oh, your, your life is at stake. Your life is at stake, yeah? yeah. Mm. And what is religion except the measure by which you live and you die. Isn't that what religion is? Religion, as we talked about last time, begins to answer questions like, is this all that there is or is there something more? Mm-hmm. Right? We often call the metaphysical, the questions beyond the physical. Mm-hmm. Don't be confused. What we believe about the thing beyond the physical impacts the physical as well. Mm-hmm. How you live this life depends on, to some degree, what you think about the next life. Mm-hmm. What you think about God will impact how you live your life today. But yes, does your life have value, Deo? And I'm asking this as a rhetorical question. If you're 
if you have the wrong religious view, you actually have to say, no, my, my, my life doesn't have any value. Mm. Do you think you would live differently if you thought your life did have value as opposed to believing it didn't? Of course. Of course uh, you would live differently. Of course you would live differently. Yeah. Uh, we if it talk- doesn't have value, I would go and drink and do all these bad choices. Right. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die, right? All I have is the sensations that I feel, mm. and I would pursue the most pleasant sensations I could have. Mm. And uh, the minute the bill came to me that mm-hmm. I had to pay, that I couldn't pay, I kill myself. I'm gone. One way or another, directly mm. or indirectly, mm. right? Because uh, what? why not? What's the point, right? Mm. The minute that the pain outweighs the pleasure, there's no point anymore. Now, one of the things you said last time was that because of the commitment we need to have to our religion, mm. that is the way we see, we view and see God. Yeah. You, you mentioned something that said we, we then all can't be right. We can't all be right. There's a couple of ways that we could talk about this. I think most people, when I talk to them, are willing to admit Mm. That if Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no man comes to the Father but by me. Mm -hmm. This is an exclusivist statement. Either Jesus is telling the truth Mm -hmm. or Jesus is lying. If Jesus is telling the truth, which of course he is, Mm -hmm. if Jesus is telling the truth there, that means there is no other way. Any other way is a false way. Mm-hmm. If he's lying, then even he's not telling the truth, and so I'm, I'm wasting my time even with him. So you see, this statement is so what we call this a watershed, because you, you're either going one way or you're going, it's like water that trickles on the top of a hill. Mm-hmm. Either it goes to the left or the right, yeah? If Jesus is telling the truth, then I must include him and exclude everyone else. If he's lying, mm-hmm. I must exclude him. Either way, his statement requires, logically, requires me to exclude someone. Of course, he is telling the truth. Mm. Uh, he's telling the truth that it's just him and there is there is no other. There's no other name given under heaven where men must be saved. That's the only one that we have. And so every other claim, including the claim that there's many pathways, mm-hmm. are not true. Yeah. And, and I was going that there is this uh, claim yeah. that all religions are just um, different ways of getting to God. And yep. in fact, there is a movement that is trying to unify all religions. Do your business. Let's our business. After all, all of us are leading up to the same God. I have to assume that one of two things is taking place when I hear that. Either they haven't studied any of the religions very carefully, mm-hmm. or if they have studied them, they think they're all equally untrue. That's, that's general. The second one by educated people is usually their stance. So uneducated people usually believe the first one. I had a Bible study a number of years ago, uh, and I had a Muslim from Tajikistan who came, mm-hmm. and he had never encountered many Christians in his life. And as I'm talking to him, he began, and he said at the beginning of our studies, uh, I think Christianity and Islam are basically the same. Well, that's not true. Mm-hmm. There are areas where there are some similarities for sure. There's no doubt. They're both what's called Abrahamic religions, right? Mm-hmm. But the core of them is very different. And by teaching him not about what I thought was wrong with Islam, I almost never said anything about Islam because I found that that's not very productive mm-hmm. usually. Instead of just telling him this is what Christianity believes and then showing it to him from God's word, By the end of our year, he spent a whole year with me. At the end, he was not a Christian, but he did say Christianity and Islam are nothing alike. He went from a place where he actually didn't know much about Christianity. That's why he thought they were basically the same, Mm. to a position that once he understood Christianity and he knew what he believed already, he knew they were nothing like each other. Okay, so that's column one is someone who actually just doesn't know. I would put them as uneducated. I don't mean ignorant, but I mean like they just they don't know how different things can be. Mm -hmm. Most people are educated. That's not the place they are. They say that statement in in a different way. It's actually 
more condescending, it's more insulting than the previous one. So the way they mean it is they're all basically equally untrue. Mm. What I mean by that is they don't really believe any of them. Mm -hmm. They think they're in some sense all false, that perhaps each of them contains some kind of kernel of truth, Mm -hmm. but the whole shell is wrong. Right. Because Mm -hmm. if they're educated, they know that they disagree with each other about basic principles about who God is and what he does, whether there's one God or many gods, whether we're all gods or whether, uh, you know, like you might have some systems where there's two equal beings, one's good and one's bad. And the whole universe is a balance of those two. There's a number of variations for those things. But all of those things, uh, logically, they can't all be true. You have like the law of Mm non-contradiction, which says two things can't be the same thing at the same time in the same way if they're distinct from one another another. Mm-hmm. So like right now, as I look at you, I also see next to you, there's a chair, mm-hmm. right? The chair is an object, but you're a person. There's a sense in which I could say you operate like a chair. I might even use chair as a metaphor for you, mm-hmm. but are you actually a chair? Not at all. Not at all. Mm-hmm. And the chair is actually not you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And the law of non-contradiction says if a chair is a thing and that thing is not you, mm-hmm. you can't be you and it at the same time in the same way. Sure. The way this applies to religions is this. If there's a difference between the two, Mm. They can't be the same thing at the same time Mm. in the same way. And in fact, that's true. This is why we get back to the statement of Jesus. Either he is the way, the truth, and the life, and there is no way to come to the Father but by him, Mm. or there's not. Or he's lying and he's wrong. And he's lying and he's wrong. And to try to wash it away and say, well, they're all wrong, Mm. begs the question, doesn't it? Which is, what really is true then? How do I know which kernel and which place is the true thing? And the answer almost always is, it's just a reflection of what that person wants it to be. Now, you say that from the flow of this argument, you say that it is important how one views God. It is, yeah. And that is defined by the religion. Their view of God defines their religion. Their religion explains their view of God. That's it. And uh, one of us has to be right and the other wrong. That's it. Well, what we're discussing here is there is right and wrong religion. Yeah, of course. Now, what would you say is the test of true religion? Because if there is right and wrong, Mm. then we should have a way of measuring truth. You know, how do I know my religion is true? So there's there's two things I would say there. Number one is, uh, is it God's word? Is it the word of God? Yeah, and, and these religions have all these kinds of books that they say are from God. Sure, yeah. Mm. And so then you would look at the book Mm. and uh, you would say, has God really said? Mm -hmm. Uh, I think the Bible stands on its own. In my studies professionally and privately, I've read many of the religious books of the world. Actually, when you say many books claim to be the Word of God, it's actually not true. There are actually very few books that themselves mm. claim to be the word of God. This is kind of an amazing thing. You may know that Buddha himself said that he wasn't a God. That he wasn't a God. That he wasn't a God. Mm-hmm. So this would be an example. Many of the books of Hinduism make no claim to mm. themselves to be a holy script. It's really there's primarily three religions mm-hmm. that say that they have God's word. Mm. And we actually would agree with one of them. Which ones are those? Judaism. Mm-hmm. Christianity, mm-hmm. Islam. Now, there are minor offsets of that. Mm. So, for instance, the Jehovah's Witnesses have a different view of the Bible and have their own version of the Bible. Mm. And then the Mormons have the Book of Mormon, which they also say is from God as well, in mm. addition to that. Uh, and then, of course, there's many religions that add human traditions. Mm-hmm. But if we're actually talking about books, there's very, very few books that themselves claim to be the Word of God. And that's why uh, we're sometimes referred to as peoples of the book. Uh, even Islam sometimes refers to uh, all of us as people of the book. Because before that, most religions didn't have a particular book that they required everyone to believe. Mm-hmm. They had general beliefs, but those beliefs disagreed with one another. So, if you, again, it's one of those things, like, if you study world religions, mm-hmm. uh, you begin to realize, like, there's not not that much uniformity 
in practice. Mm -hmm. So uh, we'll take the people who are from the Scandinavian region. Sometimes they're called the Norse. Sometimes they're the old Germanic tribes. Uh, the interesting thing is if you look at the stories, you'll see that once they begin writing the stories down, there is no one book of Norse mythology mm. because there's no one story of Norse mythology. There's disagreement between them about who did what, where. Sometimes the disagreements are very minor. Sometimes they're major, but it's very clear. You have the same story and in different regions by different peoples, even mm. though the same origin story is true. They thought of themselves as worshiping the same gods. There's major disagreement. So the the, the first test of, of true religion is has God said. Has God said it? What how is... do you know how how do you know how God said it? Mm. Yeah, uh, there's a number of things about God's word that stands out. Mm. L- allow me to point out just one of them. Uh, does it comport with reality? That is, does it match reality? Mm-hmm. And the thing I've discovered about the word of God that changes everything is that when I see how reality works. God's word describes it perfectly. It's interesting because actually it even predicts that that will be true. Mm. So uh, within the Bible, the Bible tells us that man has a revelation that's a natural revelation. You see that in places like Romans 1. You see it in the Psalms and various other places. The prophets sometimes talk this way as well. Mm. And then, of course, the biblical examples where God points to nature all tell us that uh, there's a limitation on what we can know from nature about God, but nature itself cries out for God. Mm. If that's true, what I would expect is what nature tells me about God and what I see in God's word would match one another. And Mm. in fact, that's exactly what I see. The way that I see the world work and the way that God describes the world matches perfectly. It's not that it doesn't have surprises. It it does have some surprises for us. Like Mm. uh, Jesus in one sense of the word surprise is a big surprise. Mm. Uh, But nevertheless, the way the world works and the way that the world is described by his scripture makes a lot of sense, right? We could talk about other external evidences, and I'm okay with that. Like, for instance, I think, uh, I'll just give you an example. I don't think this is the chief reason, Mm -hmm. but it's one reason I think that helps people sometimes, especially if they're Christians. Mm. Um, The resurrection of Jesus Christ. Many people think because it's a miracle that the resurrection of Jesus is one of those things like you just you just have to believe, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and, and in some sense, that's true, right? Uh, the scriptures say that it happened. I can't see the resurrection with my own eyes. Mm. And therefore, if it's the word of God, I trust it and I'm going to follow it, right? Mm. But it happens to work out that whatever standards you have for history, like how do you, how do you know, like not just about the Bible, but about anything, mm. how do you know what happened in the first century A.D.? I read history. You read history, yeah. And how do those historians know? Well, come to find out, so my bachelor's degree is in history, and in that you have to take historiography. Mm. Historiography is the class of, like, how do historians know what happened? And Mm. what's their level of certainty? Mm -hmm. So come to find out, they have criteria Mm. that they use to help you decide when you look at a text or look at a group of texts uh, what's true? Like, how do you know there was a Julius Caesar? How do you know Timbuktu existed? Mm-hmm. You, you, you see what I'm saying, yeah? Mm. How do you know there were Ethiopian Christians for centuries? Mm. You, you see what I'm saying? Like, think questions like this. How do you know that happened? Well, they have standards of evidence. Mm. And believe it or not, the standards of evidence that they provide, either we know things happened in the first century AD, and therefore we know the resurrection of Jesus happened, mm. or we don't know anything about what happened in the first century AD. Mm. It's an all or nothing. The the criteria that you would use to prove any other historical event can be used to prove that Jesus rose again from the dead. So you're saying one of the ways to test whether God has said in Mm. in a particular way is to check history and see the reality of things and see whether actually the content is true to history. Yeah. Now, Mm. remember in our our previous conversation, like the first time we talked, I'm going to say something again. Mm. God is true whether every man is a liar or not. 
Sure. So it's not as though God is waiting in the world for me to prove that he's true, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is God has uh, given us his word. That's sufficient. He's given us a knowledge of himself, and that is sufficient. Mm-hmm. And all other knowledge that we have is contingent on that type of knowledge. It's sometimes called a transcendental argument for God's existence. I'll just summarize it this way. Uh, you and I talked about one element of it, which is morality. Mm-hmm. If you think that there is something that's wrong, anything. If we all agree even one thing is wrong, Mm -hmm. then we have a standard of morality that's universal. Mm -hmm. And the question is, where could this have come from? It could only come from not subjective beings like yourself and myself Mm -hmm. who are contingent. It must have come from an objective being, someone who's not subjected to the things of the world who's above it. Right. Mm. Logic is another great example. Mm. Can you taste or touch or see logic? No. But nevertheless, it's real. It's real. Yeah, if it's real and existed, it didn't come into existence by you and I, right? Like we didn't invent logic. We discover logic, Mm -hmm. right? Mm. Then it must be that there's something eternal that existed Mm. before us, something immaterial Mm. that drives everything. And what we have here is the choice. And my next question was on that. Yeah. Um, What is the best way for me to choose my religion? Because I need some things to consider as I choose my religion. Oh, let me give, I'll just tell you, don't choose any other religion, choose Christ. Why is that? Why should I choose him? He's the only one who offers, offers you eternal life. There's no one else who offers you eternal life who's telling the truth. Can we... And I, and I want you back next time sure. to, to deal with this. Sure, sure, Can sure. we challenge Christianity? Of course. And find it to be true. Yeah. Uh, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Here's the, here's the problem, Dave. Christianity is not just an intellectual proposition. You have to know and you have to believe. You have to have reliance upon God, right? Like these things do work together. Mm. But there is no evidence sufficient for someone who willfully doesn't want to believe. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So one of the things what we're kind of talking about is the use of apologetics in in systems of faith. Christianity is interesting because Christianity believes in apologetics, means it believes in a defense for its faith. Mm. But Christianity makes no claim that a defense of the faith itself is sufficient for someone to become a Christian. Mm. Christianity itself says the act of someone becoming a Christian is more than just an intellectual proposition. Mm. Something greater than that also has to happen. Mm. There has to be the, the working of the spirit in their life that's manifested by their by faith. So yeah, we gotta be very we gotta be very, very careful. When that happens, it is a transformative event. Mm. Uh, those people then will go forward and who, who will live life. I, I could also tell you experientially that I've seen a number of people who once lived a life one way, came to faith and lived a completely different life. Uh, I've seen the, the most highly improbable events take place with enough regularity that it's very difficult to describe what happened apart from saying that God works in the world. Mm. Uh, I also see that no other religion of the world offers what God offers. He offers, every other religion offers something that makes sense in one way. Mm-hmm. And God offers us something that doesn't, in one way of speaking, doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that it's irrational. What I mean is it's unusual. Mm. When I look at the world around me, I see that mostly what I get out of the world is... Uh, what's called the covenant of works, which is like, do this and live, mm-hmm. right? Who's the best athlete? It's the one who works out, mm-hmm. right? The mm-hmm. guy who's lazy, who doesn't train, doesn't pay attention. He's going to be out of shape, right? Mm-hmm. Who's the smartest guy? It's the guy who studies, the guy who works out. I can tell you, I work with a lot of smart people. Your raw mental horsepower, insufficient. It's very nice to have mm-hmm. insufficient of yourself. If you don't put the work in, you're, uh, they say, you know, every day there's a cheetah and there's an impala that wakes up. And they're in a race. Who's going to win the race? The answer is whoever's fastest that day, yeah? Mm -hmm. And whoever's fastest, he lives. 
Mm. Whoever's the the slowest, he dies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. let's do this and live. That makes sense. And basically, the religions of the world in general offer you that principle. They offer you the principle: if you do the right thing and you live the right way, good things are going to happen to you. Mm-hmm. And so, in that sense, it's very difficult to distinguish between religions. You know, if I have a religion that says treat people right, and then God will treat you right, well, there's not a lot of difference between any of the religions when it comes to that principle. Mm-hmm. Christianity says something radical. And it says it radically differently than the other religions, the other religions of the world. And it says this, nobody deserves it. All of your righteousness, it says, is like a dirty rag. Mm. It's not enough. In God's eyes, you're either uh, guilty Mm. or you're innocent. And the bad news is, of our own accord, we're all guilty. Mm. And then it tells us what the result of that is. We all intuitively know it. Mm. We know that the wages of sin is death. We know that when you do the wrong thing, you deserve punishment. Mm. We can learn this from the world around us. When you do the wrong thing... Who have you met who doesn't believe there's some idea of justice, that there's some idea of right? We may disagree about the details of it, but they all believe there's something that's just. Mm. The way you can test this, of course, this is, this is a bit of a joke. Don't really do this. But mm-hmm. sometimes they say, well, there, someone tells you, I've met these people. They call themselves cultural relativists or moral relativists. Mm. And they'll say, there's no right or wrong. Cuff them in the face. Mm-hmm. No, don't really do that, of course. Mm. But I promise you, they're going to tell you you did the wrong thing, mm-hmm. aren't they? Mm. Because they don't want to be treated that way. Even they believe they did something that's wrong. Mm-hmm. And what should the result of you doing something wrong be? You should be accorded some type of punishment, shouldn't mm-hmm. you? Mm-hmm. Uh, again, this is basic human nature. Every country on planet Earth has mm-hmm. it where they have laws. Mm-hmm. And if you follow the laws, you're a good citizen. If you fail the laws, you're a bad citizen and some punishment is given to you. Right? Now, here's a, here's a scenario. Yeah. And uh, we will end with this. And yeah. I need you to be okay coming back next time to uh, we'll Christianity. Yeah, I like talking to you. Dan. But think about someone. Yeah who has followed a certain religion for a long time. Yeah. And this is how they chose it. They would yeah. say, many people say here in Uganda, yeah. and I think in some parts of the world, that mm. they it was the religion of their parents. Mm. So it's all they know because it was the religion of their parents. Sure. Now we are saying there is a right and wrong religion. For sure. And question is, how do I know what is the right religion? And uh, how do I make the choice? Mm. And we are saying one has God said, is it historical fact? Yeah. Does it comport with reality? Yeah. yeah and and the question is, can I just follow my parents? You know, my parents' religion simply because it's my parents' religion or there is a way I could choose my religion. How, how, how best can I choose my religion? If I ask you how you know you'll get into paradise, whatever paradise is for you, the answer that almost everyone will give me is I did what's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. I and followed my parents. Yeah. Mm. So I ask you, is God just? Yeah, he is. If you say God is just, whatever God you believe in, if you say he's not just, then it doesn't matter what else you say, mm. right? Because mm-hmm. a God who's not just may do what's right, he may do what's wrong, but you can't deal honestly with someone who's not honest, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's no use you being honest with him if he's not honest with you. Mm. So what you do doesn't really matter, right? But I don't see anyone who actually believes that. Mm. If you believe your God is just mm. and you believe you have to do good to get into heaven or paradise or whatever you want to call it, mm. the higher plane, whatever, then I have to ask you this simple question, Dale. Have you always done what you knew was right? Have you always done what you knew was right? Mm. And it is very rare for me to find a person who even claims that they've always done what they know is right. And so then I ask you, how then would you get into heaven? The only answer they can give is either I won't go to that heaven mm. or well, God's going to lower the bar for me. 
mm-hmm. he's going to make it easy. Uh, and I would say something like this. I would tell him mm. that is what my parents told me. Hey. Is that acceptable to tell yeah. God that that is what your parents told you? What if you're, I knew a guy who was a thief. His mom taught him to be a thief. This is true. Mm-hmm. She was a woman of the church, but she wasn't an honest woman. Mm. And she would send her, her two boys who were quite intelligent. She would send them into the store to steal because because they were young boys, she knew no harm would come to them. They wouldn't send them to jail because they were little boys. Mm. So she would send them in. If they went before a judge mm. and they said, I'm not guilty. My mom taught me to steal. Actually, all they've done is they've said their mother is a guilty thief, too. Mm-hmm. But are they still guilty before the law? They are. They, they store are. Mm. They are. Mm. They have some complicating motivations, but the fact of them being a thief has not changed. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I think if you stand before a God who's actually just, that's why you must determine whether their God is just or not. Mm. If you stand before a just God and you say, well, my parents just taught me this. Mm. Yeah. You have two things. One, I think, is just generally true that everyone can quickly agree with, which is your parents telling you to do something is no good reason why you should do it if it's the wrong thing to do. Mm. Can you be a murderer because your parents tell you to be a murderer? No. <laughs> okay, of course not. Of course you're still guilty before the law, yeah? Mm. So either God is just and he'll hold you accountable, which mm. means if you've done any wrong thing, you don't deserve to get in. Mm-hmm. Or God has to lower the bar for you to get in, at which point he's no longer just. So you see, you're on the horns of a dilemma. Mm. Only Christian, this is what I would appeal to you as if you ask me this, only Christianity offers you a God who's perfectly just mm. and yet will bring you into his presence, will, mm. will allow you to come to his heaven, will give you eternal life. And the reason he can do this is because he does something no other God has ever done. Mm. He made a plan to send his son so his son would die for you. Mm. And that gives you every reason why you can't be one of those people who just sprinkles a little Jesus onto their life mm-hmm. because the Jesus who does that is worth more than him just being a side dish mm. in the meal that is your life. He is all of it and he is everything of it. Okay, let's end with this. What would you say to someone who has had this view for a long time? This is my parents' religion mm. and I cannot leave it because it's my parents' religion. What would you say to them? Sure. Uh, are you exactly like your parents in every way? No. Uh, why not? But your parents gave that to you. Why would you not be exactly like your parents then? Because I'm not them. Hey, Mm. you're your own person, huh? Mm. And you made your own choices Mm -hmm. based on your own things? Mm. Yeah. God made you. You owe more to God than you owe to your parents. And whether it's the way you dress that may be different from them, uh, maybe where you live, maybe they lived in the village and now you live in Kampala. Uh, Maybe it's where you got your education. Maybe they went to a certain grade. And now you're in university, right? Whatever the difference may be, Mm. the thing that God demands of you is more important. Because where did your parents come from? It came from God, Mm -hmm. yeah? Mm. And so you have a greater allegiance to God than you do to your parents. You only have parents because you have a God. Mm. And so he's the greater authority. You should always do what he said. Be respectful to you. I'm not asking anyone to ever be disrespectful to their parents. Mm. Respectful to your parents because actually the scriptures tell you to be respectful. Mm. Nevertheless, you have a higher authority. You know, in the same way that if my mother asked me to steal... I should tell her no. I should love her. Mm. I should do it in a way that it, uh, helps to bring her alongside of what's true rather than trying to, to shame her or something like that. Mm. But nevertheless, I can't do it. I can't because mm. I have a higher allegiance. Because at the end of the day, before they judge, you are going to be held accountable. That's right. The God of all things, mm. right? The judge is not just my judge. He's my creator. He's mm. the one who made me. And he made me in such a way that I ought to do what's right. Despite the fact that much of my life and many things that I do, I deny it with my life. And yet, I want to bring everything under subjection to Him. That's what I want. Well, we cannot go beyond this point, but I'm excited for the next time when we continue to get into Christianity. We need to open the door to Christianity yeah. to see how it is the only true religion and how everybody needs to be 
walking on the the bible calls it the narrow path yeah otherwise thank you so much for joining me today thanks Dale. appreciate you having me i always enjoy it you're a great guy and to you listening to the changing times podcast uh thank you so much for listening in and uh hope to see you next time remember to share this podcast if you like it and uh to leave a message for me i really love to listen to your feedback see you next time <laughs>